Hey, Libby O'Donovan here, singer, entertainer, performer, musical director, composer, and lover of all things arts. Welcome to the First 50 Podcast, a 50th anniversary celebration of the Adelaide Festival Centre, the home of performing arts in South Australia. This magical venue, which I've had the delight of performing in over the last 25 years, has housed some historical moments and many of my fellow incredible artists. I'll be taking you on guided tours. So in a smaller venue like the Space or the Playhouse, you can see everything that a performer does. It's very intense focus. It's, I often compare it to tennis players playing singles. You're out in the middle of the court for hours on end and so many people are watching you and they can see everything you do. For a singer, that's very, very important to be able to be understood. And we will be led by talented performers who have graced these stages and brought enchantment and illumination to Adelaide. The one that I've honestly spent the most time in would be the, the green room in the playhouse. During the guitar festival, that's often a really busy area, especially when we've got the competition running, we've got, you know, competitors in all the different rooms and there's this, you know, we're trying to keep them as relaxed as possible with cups of tea in, in, in that green room while, you know, other shows are happening and there's always an amazing amount of kind of activity and conversation going on in there, which, you know, that sort of feels like home to me. I, I often find myself positioned there for, for very long periods of time. As we journey from the halls backstage to the grand circle in the festival theatre, I'll bring you unrestricted access to the magnificent festival centre. I see the Adelaide Festival Centre as a, the cultural precinct, the cultural hub for Adelaide arts and culture. And so everything that happens on the inside here is a reflection of what we as a nation want to see on the outside. Between the moments that make the artist... We stood up having a bow, and I slid the fader down to switch the volume off, and the edge of it was so sharp, it completely cut open my thumb on stage. My manager had to gun it down to the 7-Eleven to get Superman. That was the, the only solution that we thought of, because the second half was starting in 15 minutes. So we glued the finger back together, had a couple of Panadol, and dealt with the problem afterwards. <laughs> to the artists who make the stage. You're blending the world's oldest culture and the oldest instrument in the world, the Didu, the Yadaki, with that of Western instruments, but that are old as well and have their own cultural history because those instruments have been made by luthiers who've learned from their father or their uncles. We'll pair our backstage pass with exclusive performances from some of the very best artists in the world. Join me as I explore the lives of people and places that make the Festival Centre the home of the arts in South Australia. I didn't go into it with a political motive. I went in like any teenager, you know, singer. I wanted to sort of be famous. So maybe there was also the added dimension of somebody young with a bit of a deeper voice who was also singing what appeared to be highly politicised <laughs> repertoire, which she was only doing because she wanted to be famous. <laughs> that attracted them. Over the next 12 months, we'll be sharing the stories of performance, history and connection, which place the Adelaide Festival Centre in the hearts and minds of all South Australians. I remember going to Dunstan Playhouse as a child, so that's always had a special place in my heart, yeah. Having the Adelaide Festival Centre means that we have the Cabaret Festival and Asia Festival and all of these experiences that we get to see. It's part of our brand. It's part of the, what we're known for. 
and is the visible representation of South Australia as the, the arts capital of Australia. I think it means a lot to many Australians, South Australians. Because it's live, you know, because it's live. Well, every festival we're there for the opening, we're there for many, many shows. So it's, it's a fantastic space. It's really lovely. I hope you'll join me on this journey of celebration as together we honour the centre's 50th anniversary with monthly podcasts throughout 2023. Be sure to hit follow so you can hear from the rock stars, comedians, dancers, actors and entertainers that have graced these stages over the years. We can all enjoy the exciting cultural experiences South Australia has to offer and there'll be lots of celebrations in 2023. The centre knows how to party, so keep an eye on the Adelaide Festival Centre website and social media so you don't miss out. Search Adelaide Festival Centre or follow the links in the episode description. Please enjoy this sneak peek of our catch-up with the incomparable, energetic and brilliantly innovative Robin Archer. It doesn't cost a thing to let me see those silver wings. They take you now we're sitting in the Space Theatre and this is where you performed in The Seven, the seven Deadly Sins and this was the very first performance that was ever here in the Space Theatre and you were a part of that, a, a big part of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was extraordinary for many reasons. At the time, I had been singing dirty ditties at the Old Lion Hotel. I was Mrs Public House. I would greet the customers at the door, take their money, $12.50 a head, all you could eat and drink. So you would go downstairs into the tunnels. There would be beef and steak pie, carafes of red wine, etc., etc. And I w- everyone would settle, and uh, and Peter Beagley played the piano, and then I would get the guitar out and I would sing very rude songs to the customers, which was sort of enlightening to me in many ways because it didn't feel sleazy at all. It wasn't like the Trocadero where we didn't sing sleazy songs, but it felt sleazy. <laughs> at the Old Lion. Couples would just, you know, be quaffing down their wine and I would be singing these quite rude songs out of my university songbook, varsity songbooks, etc. And everyone was just laughing and roaring, having a wonderful time. It wasn't Buck's Party rubbish, you know, it was just, just genuinely very funny. I was doing that and at the time, Justin McDonnell, who'd gone to Flinders University, but I'd known in a couple of programs that we did, projects that we Adelaide did with Flinders, Justin was the administrator of State Opera South Australia, New Opera South Australia at that point. And they wanted a singer a bit like Lottie Lenya had been when Kurt Vile wrote The Seven Deadly Sins for her, an untrained singer. Justin remembered me and my voice and approached me and said, look, would you consider being in this in this production? And I was terrified and had didn't know how to read music and I'd be singing with an orchestra and I said yeah okay I'll give it a shot and good luck to everybody Maya Fredman the conductor Anthony Justin all of those people on taking a bet on an untrained singer who'd been a folk singer and was now Mrs Public House singing dirty ditties to come in and do this very important production I had a wonderful repetitor called Chester Chester Schultz who coached me endlessly so I could sort of learn it by ear and it's a long big piece and truly I didn't for all that experience that I'd had 
I didn't know what an opening night in a theatre was about. I didn't ask my parents to come. I didn't ask the people I was living with to come. I simply did my job and stood up and at the end of it, within these walls, everybody was on their feet cheering and I kind of really didn't get it. You know, it was, I didn't know the milieu at all. But that absolutely, that moment in this theatre absolutely changed my career for the, for the rest of my life. It's what it did. And you've been performing for so many years and, as you said, including this material in so many of your performances. What is it about a theatre or a room or you, you talk about the Space Theatre and the Dunstan Playhouse here at the Adelaide Festival Centre that you love? What is it that's so special to you and that connects with you when you're in that space performing the music that you love? It's very, very interesting because... Cabaret has come to mean so many different things and is now a, a melange of comedy, burlesque, vaudeville, lounge. I mean, everything you want to mention is what people call cabaret. So every now and then somebody will ask me to do a show, one of my shows, and will want to put it in a place where they're serving drinks and food or per perhaps do it outside. That was recently somebody asked me and I said, I... I I keep saying, this show needs theatrical attention, is what I say. So I don't need any of the glam or expectations, but what I do need is a silent space. And I, you know, I have performed when I did A Star Is Torn, I was doing it in very big, the return after the season in the West End in London, I was doing it in 2,000 seat theatres and I'm very comfortable doing that. I have sung to 100,000 people at an anti-nuclear demo in Hyde Park. So I have done some big, some stadium-like performances. I enjoy the 2000, you know, I imagine myself as Edith Piaf being able to just sing right to the top. I love that. And in the Festival Theatre here, I've done that as well. And I really enjoy singing right to the back. But I do love, with the, with the Brechtian material, you need to understand the nuance. You have to understand every word. People say that my diction is extremely good when I'm singing. You do hear every word. But also, people have to see your mouth properly. So in a smaller venue like the Space or the Playhouse, you can see everything that a performer does. It's very intense focus. It's, I, I often compare it to tennis players playing singles. You know, you're out in the middle of the court for hours on end and so many people are watching you and they can see everything you do. For a singer, that's very, very important for me to be able to be understood, but also to have a formality of silence is really important. I think if people start talking and doing those things it's not I don't object to people having a good time and talking if you're singing rock and roll and it doesn't matter so much no who cares about the words it's just the beat and the vibe but if I want to get across these difficult songs which often in the case of this material the words are tricky getting the words and the notes in the right place is particularly with Hans Eisler Less so with Kurt Weill, but with Hans Eisler, or even worse with Paul Dessau. That's Brecht's three main collaborators. Often you've got to get across some element of satire. So there's one song that I have sung very frequently called The Stimulating Impact of Cash. And in the play it comes from, The Roundheads and the Pointed Heads, it's sung by a corrupt judge. But I have to do in four minutes 
sort of say to the audience without saying it, the words I'm expressing are not the values espoused by the singer. It's just the character who's a bad person. So you have to kind of act that as well. So you've got to communicate a different kind of irony or satire, etc., while you're doing it. So it's, it's very, very challenging. And I find that audiences would miss that unless they have what I call a theatrical attention. And it's been quite a long time since I've done a show that doesn't really require that kind of intensity. You know, and I feel very confident in, in the theatrical space to be able to do that. So a long time since I've done a bar or a, a gig kind of environment. Not that I don't like them, it's just that the material demands that attention. Looking forward to spending lots of quality time with you in 2023, celebrating everything that is the arts in South Australia and the Adelaide Festival Centre. This podcast was produced by Solstice Podcasting on Ghana Yurta. We respect First Nation people around Australia and acknowledge the Ghana people as the traditional custodians of the Adelaide Plains where the Festival Centre is located. We honour their spiritual relationship with their country and we do so in the spirit of reconciliation.